Are you ready for the weekend yet? We have events, news, and a guest for you to enjoy this Lake Life weekend. Hey, this is Dirk. Lake Life Weekend Podcast, thank you for tuning in. This is weekend 28 approaching. And um, yeah, everything was a little late this season. Also the strawberry patch. And uh, we decided to rerun our story from Otterberry Farm with uh, Chris and her husband. It is a cute little story from the farm here close to Perham. And um, we just visited the other day. Harry could not get enough of those strawberries. You should check that out if you're around right now um, because I think the season is fairly short. And that means that only in a couple of few more weeks um, you will be able to collect strawberries. So check that out, Otterberry Farm. And um, also this weekend there is a lot going on. Um, Henning has a street fest. Um, the water carnival is about to begin in Detroit Lakes. Um, we have the Phelps Mill Festival this weekend also. Um, these are just a few to name. Please go to our website lakelifeweekend.com to check out the um, complete event schedule for the area. And I'm more than thrilled. I'm really excited for the future because we are about to launch our latest uh, website release that will feature a event map. Uh, that will mean that you approach the event schedule over a map interface instead of a list format. And I think this is just amazing. I'm really pumped. So um, just a couple more weeks and we will have that released. When you are in the area, you just hit locate me or you browse to the destination where you are or want to be and then several pins will show you what's happening in the area. I think this is just uh, pretty uh, amazing, pretty cool um, to put everything on a geographical map approach. Yeah because that's what we want to do. We want to do road trips, we want to do field trips, we want to just get out and explore. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I actually don't want to keep this much longer. Thank you very much for um, connecting to us more than ever through our platforms, Instagram, Facebook, uh, our website, email. Um, we even get phone calls and walk-ins. Huh, would have guessed. Uh, there's more to come. We have some uh, giveaways. Please follow us on Facebook and uh, check that out. We will every week uh, have a giveaway. Just last week we, we sent out some sunglasses and uh, we are about to give away t-shirts, um, all kinds of things. So thank you for tuning in. Thanks for connecting. Uh, and please enjoy our latest interview here with Chris Cordell from Otter Bay Farms. Thank you. Welcome to our interview part. I'm here with Chris and Cordell Hübsch. Welcome. Thanks Welcome. for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad I got to uh, get you into our little recording studio because it's pre-farming season. And I remember last year you got very busy um, with harvest when I reached out for the first time. And I visited your little, or not little, your uh, corn maze and uh, your um, 
small farm with the kids. I was there with my son Harry and uh, I got to meet it, um, meet you. Before we talk about Otterberry, that's uh, a family farm that you have grown. Um, tell us a little bit more about uh, where you're from and uh, how you got into farming and um, all those things. Maybe uh, Chris starts or Cordell? Who okay. Yeah, yeah I can. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm not originally from Minnesota, but Cordell is, and I'll let him explain kind of our family farm where we're currently at because it's uh, technically his family, but we both have a farming background. Um, I grew up in Ohio, uh, northeast of Cleveland, mm -hmm. and I grew up on a dairy farm. Um, it's a century farm out in Ohio, so my family's been in the farming business pretty much forever. Um, century farm means 100 years old? Yes, yes, yeah, so out in Ohio, um, and our farm here in Minnesota is a century farm also, so both of our families have been farming for a very, very long time, um, so it's kind of in our blood, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I grew up in Ohio, and Cordell and I actually met out in Montana, in Bozeman. Uh -huh. We both went to college at Montana State University. So that's how we met. Um, For agriculture? Yeah, I have a, a bachelor's degree in actually animal science. Uh -huh. um, but it's a very well-rounded program. You do a lot of agronomy, ag business, chemistry classes, that kind of thing, as well as um, animal husbandry type stuff. Uh -huh. So, um, yeah, that's what my degree is in. Is that breeding? or what Yeah, yeah, we do. They cover all, all sorts of um, how to care for animals, basically. Um, feeding, genetics, um, breeding, so that you have uh, better quality animals, you know, um, that kind of thing. And then also the business aspect, so lots of business classes, accounting. Um, it's amazing. It's a real formal education. Yes. I mean, I'm a city boy mm -hmm. and I really don't know mm -hmm. anything. And when I look at those farms and we have a lot of farms here uh, and also with the no NDSU tradition, which yes. is an agricultural college, there's it's a business. I mean, like operating a farm nowadays is not just yeah, planting absolutely. some seeds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So it's a, I have a four years bachelor's degree um, in animal science is what I majored in, but they focus on all sorts of stuff. You know, we did plant identification, all sorts of different types of things. So, so yeah. obviously your goal was to be living and operating a farm. I mean, you did, didn't. Yeah, I always have wanted to be in agriculture. Um, it's just kind of one of those things. I think, you know, as a kid, you see what your folks do and you see so you kind of more have a tendency to lean towards what their occupation is, maybe, you sure. know, as you grow up. And um, it just seemed kind of like a natural fit. And I love being outside and. Yeah, it's fun. And now your parents miss you in Ohio yeah. because you did not take over the family farm. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I have two siblings in Ohio, um, and they both actually live right down the street. My brother lives at the family farm. My parents live down the road a mile, and my sister lives down the road the other way a mile. So they're all still right there. Um, but I do remind them I am a thousand miles closer to home. You know, Minnesota <laughs> is closer, so <laughs> so it's only a day and a half drive now. So only not too bad. Day. Yeah. Then Montana. <laughs> yeah. Then oh, Montana. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So you two met in uh, in Montana in Bozeman, and mm -hmm. um, you were part of the same program, Cordell. I uh, <clears throat> I actually went to college to become a mechanical engineer, and oh. I uh, and I was a good chunk of the way through. And we actually, they flew us out to Boeing and, and we uh, toured the factory and what we'd probably be end up doing. And I uh, just kind of had this epiphany that um, the cubicle wasn't really what I was looking for, right? So um, I switched and I ended up getting a, a like a ag business econ uh, major and minor. So um, I, 
you know, in the back of my mind, the reason it's funny because the reason I went to Montana was to put 800 miles between me and my farm. Correct. See, <laughs> me too. I, I was I was set to go to Fargo, go to college in Fargo, but um, I figured if I was in Fargo, I'd be home every weekend. Mm. Uh, too close. Working mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, but there was an opportunity back here at our family farm to come back, and so uh, wait. Oh, <laughs> I like that because um, it's usually yeah you try to experience life and you want to disconnect. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. part of life. So mm-hmm. you leave and you get a lot of exposure. Mm-hmm. You meet uh, people in Bozeman. Uh, you see a different world. Mm-hmm. Then you went to Washington. I guess that's where Boeing sits, isn't it? By Boeing, Seattle, yeah, right up in Seattle. And yeah. and so you saw the other industrial world. Right. And then you decided Minnesota is the place to be. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So. <laughs> Or did she uh, convince you? No. How did that happen? No, no he, he convinced me to move here. Okay. Minnesota wasn't on my top list of states. I was kind of, it was an obscure place to me. Like, where? Oh, by Fargo? Oh, what? <laughs> that movie thing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what my parents said. Wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's not snow. like that, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did that happen? So uh, when was that, by the way? Uh, when did we... Uh, early 2000s. Yeah. Okay. So... Yeah, we've lived here a long time now. <laughs> yeah, so but it's funny because um, if you're gonna if you're gonna court somebody and convince them to move to Perm, um, the best time to make that happen is the summertime, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So you don't bring them back in January. You bring them back uh, for the boating season and, yep. and all the fun things that yeah. we have to offer here. And so so that was the plan of attack, and it worked. Thank goodness. Yeah, I think his whole family was involved. Like you know, I would come visit, and we'd go fishing and do all these fun activities. I was like, wow, your farm's different than my farm was. Like, we didn't do fun stuff. We were always working, you know? And then uh, we moved here, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's <laughs> Your guys' farm is just like my farm. You tricked me. Like, you know, I think his dad was like, sure, go take her fishing. That's okay. <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah, so. Uh, it, all, it all worked out, though. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, um... So you grew up working mm-hmm. every day because dairy is, I think, one of the worst farming um, because it's really every day. Yeah, right? you're married to the farm. Yeah, you're, you're milking cows, you know, twice a day and you're in the summertime growing crops to feed them and in the wintertime you're fixing stuff and you're still milking them right. twice a day. And so, yeah. um, you know, our farm was very small and supported uh, my immediate family and then my dad farmed with his dad and his dad's brother his uncle um and so there was three families basically that were being supported by this teeny tiny little dairy farm um so it was you know tight margins for sure and it always is you know in dairy farming but lots of work not very many you know vacations but looking back i wouldn't trade it for the world no you you learned all the skills that you put today's farm and so today you are not doing dairy or meat you T- tell me a little bit about the Hipsch uh, uh, family farm and what con- what became Otter, um, Otterberry. Mm-hmm. Otterberry farm, right. Well, so I guess um, we still operate. So I'll, I'll just back up. M- uh, we are a, a fourth uh, generation farm. Um, my father's father um, came actually from down in the Olivia um, area, some of the best soil on the planet, right? And I, and I try to imagine <laughs> what it was like for him uh, he had a lot of brothers and sisters, not enough room to stay there, so he emigrated up to the Perm area. To go from that soil to the sand we farm around here must have been a real, you know, challenge, right? If okay. you think about... 1910, or when did that happen? Yeah, that happened, uh, well, Grand- Grandpa was born in 1903, and it happened right around uh, when he was... Uh, 
What would it have been? Would have yeah, been about eight, 18, there. I think. Mm -hmm. 17 or 18. Okay. So. Before the Depression, so did they get land by gift? How did that happen back in the day? Back Homesteaded? in... Homesteaded? Yeah, there was homesteading. The land we were on was not homesteaded by my family. Grand, grandpa, Grandpa's father actually bought the farm we were on. So he, he, he bought it. Your great-grandfather. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that'd mm -hmm. be my great-grandfather, right? Mm -hmm. And so... But they, they, when they came up here, pretty much everybody was uh, on 80 acres uh, on a dairy, a self-sustaining kind of deal. Um, they, uh, he, d Grandpa did milk until um, the end, um, but he, uh, he saw that, uh, that it was a tough road to hoe, basically, right, the dairy world. So he actually got into turkeys pretty early uh -huh. and was uh, pretty, and then my uh, uncle, uh, they kind of took, the and dad too, they all took the turkeys and kind of ran with it. They experimented with hogs, and then the, the turkeys is what they kind of settled in on. Um, sometime in the, this is going to be stretching the history. I'm not exactly sure in the years, but I think it was in the, the 60s when um, the family kind of split, and my Uncle Fred went uh, to the left with the turkeys, and my dad went to the right with the crop farming. Okay. Uh -huh. So one uncle went into poultry, and the other, and my dad went into crop farming, and he grew corn and beans, and um, found a kind of a niche market at the time. Uh, he we he started growing dark red kidney beans, which yeah. we still grow to this day, and and now it's a staple crop in this area, right? Oh. And so, um, so that's what's kept our farm afloat for all these years is that that dark red kidney bean, and we still grow that today on uh, on a scale. And um, when Chris and I came back, I have um, two brothers and a sister, and we are all here in the same area. And so Chris and I just kind of decided that we wanted to to find a little niche, right? Because it seems like in agriculture, you can go the commodity route. But if you go the commodity route in agriculture today, you have to be aware that it's all about economies of scale, right? You just have to mm -hmm. have, the margins are so tight, you just need to get bigger, or you need to find a way to maybe to make a little more with less, right? Sure. And so that kind of led to our idea, right? So you tried to find a niche and that mm -hmm. was berry strawberries? Yeah, yeah. So Cordell still farms with his brothers, corn and kidney beans, and the timing kind of works perfectly um, for planting and harvest and that type of thing with strawberries. And we kind of kicked that idea around for a while. Um, and we have really sandy soil. Yeah. Strawberries like sandy soil, um, yeah. it drains well. so. You know, we don't have as much problem with disease and stuff like that. Um, and then, of course, we have to irrigate it because it is so sandy. But it's nice because when we need water, we just you turn the water it. on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and, and, you know, that's the same with like the kidney beans. Um, they grow really well here because the soil drains away. It's not so heavy and holds all that water. Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, the strawberry season um, planting is a little bit before we would start corn or kidney beans. And so that kind of works. And so Cordell can help and myself plant and then he can be gone doing corn and kidney beans while I'm making sure the strawberries are growing and no weeds and that kind of thing um, and about the time they're done planting everything down the street with his brothers um, and himself then it's uh, just about time to start picking strawberries so then we have the public come out and start picking and so the timing really works well with um, still being able to farm with his family yet do something on our own also mm -hmm. and then having our kids involved and stuff so it's mm -hmm. been really good yeah so so we have i mean may i ask how many acres so so beans is that hundreds of acres because you started 80 acres that was how your grandfather started yeah yeah so on the on the on the hips farm side we we do about 2000 acres of corn and kidney beans 
and and then on the berry farm we grow we'll have six acres of strawberries mm -hmm. to pick this year yeah okay and then and then we'll also have the corn maize as well in the fall and we'll do a few acres of pumpkins and some raspberries as well so. okay <coughs> but your passion kind of is the berry yeah yeah i mean you know corn and kidney beans are fun but <laughs> well i don't know yeah but that's business maybe more and then the strawberry yeah. is a little well, sweeter the cool yeah right yeah exactly <laughs> it is well and the really cool thing about strawberries um and we don't we didn't plan on this we kind of just stumbled upon it when we eventually opened and invited people to the farm for our very first season um you know with corn and kidney beans you're still doing all this work you're farming you're growing these crops you harvest them you bring them to town um and you know you're done right no great with strawberries you do the same thing except for us people are coming to the farm and you can see them eat the strawberry and show their kids how to pick a strawberry and families coming and creating these traditions and it's a completely different you know it's thing just connected to see with yeah the consumer exa and yeah exactly and it is so cool to see people and they keep coming back you know year after year and they're making memories or you know grandpas are bringing their grandkids out or people that are coming to the lake you know and they always come during that same week every year a lot of people are seasonal that way and you know it's a new tradition for them and yeah. to be able to see your end you know consumer yeah. actually consuming your product yeah it's just it's so cool you it know it comes a different story all yeah of a absolutely yeah. yeah you know because i mean we're still growing something and we're still you know right. feeding people or whatever but you know like with the larger commodities you know you take it to the elevator and you don't yeah you know so people are coming out and we of course pick strawberries for people but they always try one before they leave the farm you know right, <laughs> and right, so right. you see that big smile on their face and a juicy strawberry you know it's just really cool <laughs> no it's perfect the thing is um and that's why i was so happy to find you or connect with you my son and i harry we always go to germany and uh, the baltic mm -hmm. um, which is actually pretty sandy too i suppose there's Karls, K-A-R-L apostrophe S, Karls, mm -hmm. and I think they're probably very farmed since 1871. I don't even I have to look now. But it's not. Pro it's probably not only six. It's at least 60 acres, mm -hmm. if it's not even 600 acres of of berries. And like wherever you go at the Baltic, there's a Karls hut. It's like a actually it's a strawberry, which is like a mm -hmm. shed. Sure, sure. And I can show you a picture later. And yeah. And they s they sell those strawberries, and we are vacationing there every summer, so we always buy those strawberries. And yes, I connect vacationing, like you said, like we have obviously tourism here, mm -hmm. and uh, yep. I think it's it's perfect that we have a, a strawberry farm. Yeah. So um, you say it works well, and and people come. How long do they last? Like, t let's talk a little strawberry because we <laughs> buy them easily. But now you have six acres, yes. and you have. I mean, they spread like weeds, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Strawberries, um, yeah, strawberries spread like weeds. They're actually in the rose family, um, the rose bush family. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so they'll ki so if you have a wild rose bush at your house and it just keeps going everywhere, you know, strawberries are kind of related to them. Okay. Um, but so it's it's pretty labor intensive, but we plant them. We plant one little plant. It's a crown. It comes dormant. We stick it in the ground. Our setup is every 18 inches we put another plant. Every year, new one. Yeah, so so we are on a rotation on our farm. We're on a, like a three to four year rotation. So what does that mean? I'm um, so we'll plant like we're gonna start planting right now. We're a little bit late this year because the spring was so late. Yeah. But we'll start planting new strawberry plants in a single row, about 18 inches apart, and our rows are about four feet apart. Oh. Okay. So they're like. 18 inches is each right. plant like as you're walking down a long row and yeah. each row would be about four feet apart 
So by the time people come out to our farm, though, like you said, they spread like weeds. They'll send out runners and daughter plants, and they fill in those rows and get nice and bushy. Oh, yeah. So after the, the thing about strawberries is if you just let them keep going, like some people have them in their backyard and it turns into this big matted field. Yeah. So like we carpet. go, yeah, exactly like a carpet. Yeah. So we don't want that because we want to be able to walk through the row sure. and pick and have nice, easy picking and nice rows. So after we're done picking, we uh, renovate the strawberries. So what that entails is actually taking the lawnmower and going and mowing off the plants. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you have in like the, a look of shock on your face. Mm-hmm. Actually, right after, in July. Oh. Right after. So, right after we're done, and people usually drive by and they think, oh my gosh, did that like send they them over down. the edge? Yeah, like what's going on? <laughs> you know, what happened? The yeah, they, they lost their minds, you know, this summer. <laughs> what happened? So, we mow them off and then we take a tiller and we have to narrow those rows. Uh-huh. So, we'll make them a lot skinnier uh-huh. and then turn the water back on and they start growing like crazy. And by Again. the fall, yes, by the fall, then they're nice and bushy and they're not too wide and crazy big. So, you have two harvests? Nope, just one. Just one. We have, you can, there's different varieties of strawberries. We have uh, June bearing. So they'll just do a one, one time mm-hmm. about mid-June where we're at. I usually tell people the middle of June. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, we've opened around like the 18th or 19th of June and we'll go through like the 4th of July. That's it. Super short season in Minnesota. Yeah, I was going to say. And then in the fall, you use those for the following year? Or what, why did you till it? and? So we, we till them and narrow them because how we were just talking how they'll make a big matted carpet. If you don't, they keep sending out new daughter plants right. and they get wider and wider. And you won't be able to get through the rows and mm-hmm. walk. Okay. So we, to control them and keep them under control and have those nice, happy green rows that you see, right after we're done picking, we mow them off, narrow them up. So they start growing and stay within those boundaries. Ah, so you, so now when you're planting, this is a, an addition. Mm-hmm. So you yep. reuse so them. So you're growing your fields. So yeah. So, so we so we do one and a half acre sections. So after three years, um, that that one and a half acres we planted originally, we'll put that back to a cover crop and we'll let that regrow as a rye or something to get the soil get healthy again. And we're always putting in an acre and a half every year and we kind of just hopscotch our way down the field. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, mm-hmm. it does. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I yeah. see, I see. And the, plant, the plants that are existing in the fall, there's no fruit at that point. That just creates a healthy plant to get ready for winter. Mm-hmm. So in the winter time, after you bed them in straw, so that, that's the next thing that Chris was gonna talk about is they get bedded in straw. The whole key with a strawberry plant is that crown, right about an inch under the soil, can never get below 20 degrees. Oh. And when it gets 40 below here, is it not mind-blowing? <laughs> yeah. That a little bit of straw, like six inches of straw on top of that, will keep that soil mm-hmm. 20 degrees or warmer. Really? It insulates them, yeah. So it's in the fall, then, we'll go, like, uh, usually around deer hunting time um, is when we start to cover them. The strawberries start to chill out for the winter. They start going dormant. So then we cover them up with straw. Yeah. Um, we'll go out and blow all the straw, which last year worked really good because um, during our corn maze, we had all these cool straw bale like structures right. and things. Oh, you just reused that. Yeah. So we were kind of trying an experimental new way to blow straw on the field, which kind of worked and kind of didn't. But that's farming. <laughs> You're always experimenting and trying new things. So, um, yeah. So then you cover them up with straw. So that they're nice and happy, a nice winter blanket all winter long. And then in the spring, yeah, in the spring, then you go and you rake it all off. And we have this clever little machine that Cordell built that will fluff the straw off. There's an engineering degree that comes in. Yeah, oh my gosh, she's so (laughs) slick. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. 
So it's so a she. Always... What's her name? <laughs> oh, well, I don't Stephanie. know. I, yeah, right, Stephanie. <laughs> I guess it is now. <laughs> yeah. But now, now I'm curious. So strawberry, I think it's just awesome. So, But it's a one bloom or one harvest uh, uh, crop or, or flower, mm-hmm. plant, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm not a professional here. Mm-hmm. So is there also like multiple harvests, but they just don't work so well in Minnesota or... So the other option is um, called day-neutral strawberries, and that's the kind of strawberries if you go to the grocery store. I'm going to make a sidetrack here because Mm -hmm. people should know that 95% of the strawberries um, consumed in the United States come from one company, a company called Driscoll's. They're a multinational company based in California. They have strawberries grown all over the world. The strawberries we consume here, to be able to consume strawberries in Minnesota all times of the year, they come from all over the world. Sure. But they have a proprietary variety that nobody else in the world has, and their strawberries are bred to be stuck in a clamshell, put on a ship, and they need to be able to be on that ship for two weeks. Originally it was to get to Dubai, which took two weeks on a ship, and it needed to look like the day it got pulled out of the field. So when you go into the grocery store and you buy a box of strawberries, Driscoll strawberries, they're red, they're beautiful, right? They're just gorgeous. But it's like chewing on an apple, right? They're hard as right. a stone. Or they're crunchy. Yeah. And, and so there's, not, there's nothing against that. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. But I, they're, they're just, different than in Germany. They're, they're absolutely they're more different. They're juicy there. Uh, more like yeah, and ours they, are juicy. <laughs> but ours aren't going to ship on a boat either. Yeah, Explain <laughs> that. So, so they are hard here. I, re- I, re- mm-hmm. I, saw, I felt... So the stra- so the strawberries that we get um, at the grocery stores um, that are grown by this Driscoll's company and its subsidiaries, they are one variety of strawberries, and they're designed to be shipped. That's what they they're designed. They invented that? Is that like an it's engineered? Well, plant breeding it's and through genetics. Plant, through mm-hmm. plant breeding, yeah. And I mean, oh, okay. the, yeah, it's through, plant, it's through plant breeding and genetics that they accomplish that. And it is amazing that they can do that, right? But it's, it's one or the other. You're sacrificing. So our strawberries are nothing like those. They uh, melt in your mouth. They are delicious, but they don't have the shelf life, right? You're not going to put them in a clamshell and ship them across the country. What's a clamshell? Uh, like the plastic container, the clear ah, plastic container. Shell. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and so so that being said, um, the, the strawberries that we grow are June-bearing. The day neutrals are what they grow in California and Mexico, and they fruit all summer long, okay? And those are grown in plastic culture, so they, they go and they make a row, they it's called a raised bed, so they form the soil up into a little, um, uh, like a little mount, a little, hill, little mm-hmm. elongated hill, and then they cover that hill in plastic. They bury some irrigation drip lines in the soil, and then they punch a hole in the plastic and put individual plants in. And then they basically send crews of um, people up and down the rows all summer long to pick these berries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We do have a few rows of um, day neutral, some people call them everbearing strawberries. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a couple rows of those that we've experimented with. Um, but in Minnesota and up in this area, people are very accustomed to like a certain picking season. Right. And they know it's short and sweet. Um, and so uh, to have people come out for like a two to three week period and just go, 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 go and get everything harvested um, is a little bit easier than strawberries here and there right. um, because you'll end up going multiple feet to fill a bucket with uh, day neutrals because they're not all ripe at one time. Ah. There'll still be flowers on the plant and your flower is producing the next strawberry and they'll be doing that all summer long. So during the corn maze we did, we went around the strawberry patch on wagon rides yeah. and on some days we would stop 
um, and some folks would jump off and they could run through like our three little rows of you know yeah day neutral strawberries and they could go pick one because there would be some out there you know but understood but in June um, you know I have little kids and been picking strawberries and stuff and like time is of the essence you know like yeah. <laughs> you know kids have a short attention span they're having fun but especially if you want to go home and do like any canning or preserving yeah. and you want a lot of strawberries it to me it's a nightmare to have this bucket and it takes like 45 minutes to fill it up and that's kind of what it would be with those strawberries in august you know or I the see. end of july you would have to walk a lot further to fill your pail and those june bearing ones the plant produces all of its flowers at one time then you get all those strawberries already at one time and boom you can fill a bucket in you know 10 minutes and oh, away wow. you go okay <laughs> so huh. yeah so so now um, that seed that you're using is that how did you buy that or did you did you build your own um, no. crossbreed no the seed we don't actually use the seed for strawberries we're using what they call a dormant crown oh so like all our plants will produce daughter plants and a oh. daughter plant is basically just a shoot a vine that comes off and then it sends down its own root yeah yeah and, and what they do it's in areas where they grow these for for produ uh, seed product or for uh, what do they call them roots oh, what do they call them plant product oh for you know sales you mean yeah they're they're basically for commercial harvest scale they're f basically harvesting mm -hmm. daughter plants where we har harvest the strawberries they dig them up and then they go through a, a and they chop them up in right. little things and so we're we're transplanting little root sections as well of we your are. own so, yeah so we'll get them dormant they're they're like almost semi-frozen they're dormant really um yep and they need to stay nice and cold and um they'll have just a tiny little top that's coming up it doesn't even it, it just looks like dead little sticks they're brown and just really? horrible looking yeah <laughs> then there's a crown and then there's a root ball ah. and so you go sit on this transplanter and you stick them in this machine um, and you know someone's driving the tractor and you're sticking them in and it goes and plants them huh. and you turn the water on and this is the kind uh, Type of weather that we like because then they can slowly right. wake up. Yep. It's not hot and crazy. Yep. Um, not slow in yeah, right. exactly So we actually put in plants not seeds. Okay. Okay. Year. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sorry. yeah mm -hmm. I understood. Yep. Yep. So huh. So now we know that uh, Otterberry is a very short um, mm -hmm. Business I should say but it's way more um, because I was there for the uh, a maze and then you have rides and then you have little animals mm -hmm. so what is it all is, is it like uh, that's what Carl's is about too actually it's like this um, ah, that is an amusement park I mean but yeah. <laughs> I mean yours was a tiny little amusement park yeah. I guess well something fun to do with your right. family yeah so tell us about that and that yeah. is that is towards the fall right yeah, so what in the fall, la so last year actually was our first year doing a corn maze. We've kicked the oh. idea around for quite some time. I was right on time. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you found us in our first year of the corn maze. So oh. um, it was cute. My son loved it. Uh, he still talks about it. Actually. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. Actually, um, it's really neat how you know we plant the corn and then you go through and cut it and stuff. Um, Your map was awesome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, it, yeah, it was really it's cool. And we could, a bit. Yeah, and uh, we set it up in two parts. So. And the rows, our rows are fairly wide so that when you're walking through, if you're a little bit claustrophobic, you don't feel like it's so tight and narrow. You could walk side by side with someone. Right. Or um, it's really flat and smooth, so like handicap wheelchair accessible kind of thing. You could take a wagon, you know, with your kids or a stroller, you yeah. know, when your kid decides they don't want to walk anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, we, we split it in two parts. 
so that if you got halfway through about a half hour and were like, this is not for me, I want out, you could get right, out. And I then the second that. part, it's you like know, if you Ikea, wanted, you have an yeah. early exit. Exactly, yeah, exactly, right? Does Ikea have yeah. an early exit? It does. Oh, you never found yeah. that one, huh? Yeah, no, we must have missed I that one. I snuck, I sneak into it from backwards. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, so then you can keep going around the second half. And we're going to do that again this year with the maze design that we came up with this year. Oh, um, you changed the design? Yeah, yeah. So we'll have a brand oh, yeah. new design, a new theme. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's kind of cool. We're excited about that. But then, you know, we made it so it was GPS capable. So you could go through on your cell phone if you wanted yeah. and get these checkpoints. You could play games. If you wanted to just take the old school map and go through, or if you just wanted to walk through and get lost. Is that like an app? Is that like a corn maze association? How did you get this <laughs> GPS thing going? No, serious. How does that work? Is that a Yeah, well, or? I'll let Cordell explain that part. Did you He's design that too? Yeah. No, I didn't design <laughs> that. There's a, there, we, we use a company actually that, um, that provides that that uh, GPS on a cell phone functionality. Okay. Yeah. So we pay a subscription for that, but okay. it's not it's it's not enough money that we couldn't do it because it's such a it's such a neat feature to have, you oh. know, especially with the older with the older kids because, you know, yeah, and we can tailor it too. Like we've had schools come out, um, youth groups, church groups, um, little kids, the the volleyball team came out. Um, we can tailor those signs. Like there's there was ten checkpoints. Okay. So when you get to a checkpoint, then you kind of can see where you're at in the maze. Like oh, I'm here. Like the thing at the mall, you know. So you know where you're at. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's what the sign is. Those ten signs. Right. And on there, if you want to do these trivia games and questions. Um, you know, you can scan it with your phone or just answer the question and it's like, you know, is Scooby-Doo a dog or cat or a mouse? And, if, okay. you know, you say Scooby-Doo is a cat, it tells you to go the wrong way. If you say the right answer, it tells you to go the right way oh. kind of thing. But, like, when schools come out and stuff, they can uh, they can tailor those to their own Make their own, make their own questions is yeah. what I'm trying to say, oh, that's I guess. pretty cool. Yeah, so, like, if, you know, the sixth grade science class came out and their teachers, like, they knew that week they were going to be working on whatever their subject was yeah. ahead of time they could make those 10 questions so as the kids are going through not only are they going through this fun maze yeah you know if they were paying attention on monday at school and today's friday like they've got the right answer to you know the that science cool. question yeah so it was really neat that we could tailor it to the different groups when they came out so it's it amazing really that the, the digital world and yeah like that is connected now to like an outside uh, yeah uh, 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 hike yeah or, and it's, or it's as much as or little as you want you know we yeah. always gave everybody an old school map you yeah. know that showed the numbers and, I took the old school you know, one. I don't even know. I didn't even yeah, know about the GPS. Yeah, thing. right. And so I you know, you could try to follow that and go kind through that. Old. And yo, <laughs> well, and you know, I kind of prefer that too. Like going through, it just depends. Yeah, but, yeah. And you know, we had people that were like, "I don't need a map." You know, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 Go for yeah, it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's great. So it's whatever you want it to be. Fun. You know, however much you need, Fun. or you can watch yourself. And it'll, you know, do you want to watch yourself walking? And it'll show you on your phone in real time as you're walking. So if you're like, I don't want to, oh. you can zoom in or out and see, oh, yeah, I need to turn here. I need ah, to yeah, turn okay, there. sure, and just, sure. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, So, cool. yeah, huh. it's pretty neat. How many how many people uh, came, if, if I may ask? Like, was it was it a great success? Was it Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the weekends um, were pretty cold and rainy last fall. True. You know, it did get kind of icky out. But we had a pretty good turnout, I think, for being a first year you know, nobody really knew that we were doing this except for our strawberry customers. Yeah. You know, we had told them in June, like, it was so hey, cute. you guys come back, you know, this You small. had this 50s truck. Yeah. Uh, I, I had pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And yeah. you had the cow built out of the straw. straw yeah, yeah, giant 
a giant cow, a like two-story cow, and a big bear. A or bear. Some people thought it was a dog. Whatever. It doesn't. I don't know what it was. It yeah. was to your own imagination, but and like a, a little bunch pig of and pumpkins. Yep, pumpkins. So we grow pumpkins and gourds, and we've done that for a while. Um, our girls, Clara and Isabel, they're uh, in kindergarten and second grade right now. So they always, we always have them very involved in the farm. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, we grew up in ag like we talked earlier and so that's really important to us and so they always help plant pumpkins and then help harvest them and that yeah. kind of thing so people can come to the cornways they can get some pumpkins yeah you know just have a great time bring a picnic whatever and i bought a couple They're, yeah that was the pretty ones yeah yeah we yeah. had all sorts I, of pink blue you know orange white all sorts of different we oh, get they were whole, gone i bought yeah the white ones. yeah you came a little bit later those pink. ones go right away oh really pink? <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know. yeah so how many different pumpkins do they I just know the orange one. I, I think mean, I'm last from Germany. What year do I, I planted um, at least 30 or 40 different varieties really? so yeah and I had a couple um, requests uh, we have some fall weddings and so brides will ask us to plant certain things that way they don't have to worry about it oh. and they don't have to drive all over the county looking for pumpkins right before their wedding because they're stressed out anyways <laughs> and so um, we've got a gal this year that ordered we'd send them the catalog here pick out what you like and then I'll order the seeds and I'll plant them for you. And then you come at your convenience in the fall and pick up your pumpkins. And that way you're not oh, worried about, you know. Interesting service. Yeah. And then we also, some of the churches do, you know, fall harvest feeds and stuff. And sure. so we'll plant a whole bunch of squash for that. And they pre-order, you know, a couple hundred pounds or whatever. And sure. so that way they know that they have it and they don't have to try to go all over, you know, to different stores and try to find it in those large quantities, you know, and exactly what you want. So like a custom yeah. grower, like yeah, a craft Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. For so, a wedding, yeah. Of yeah, course. yeah, you know, fall decor and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, we do that and yeah, it's been fun too. Huh. It's, it's, there's so much more to your little farm yeah. than one may think. <laughs> I mean, I never even thought about that. Yeah. Um interesting, but yeah, so so did we hit a thousand people? Like I'm just like how long is the maze season? Was it a was it uh, four we weeks? Did, we no, six we weeks? did weekends. We did Saturdays and Sundays um, in September and October. Right. So and we'll do that again this fall. Um, and uh, MEA weekend, we were it was we weren't planning on being open all of MEA weekend, but the weather was actually gorgeous that mm-hmm. weekend. It was like the only nice weekend in October. So we completely changed gears at the farm and did different things and tweaked stuff around so we could be open those days so families could come out, you know, with their kids because yeah. they weren't at school and whatnot. So yeah. that worked out good. So we'll probably plan on doing something like that similar again this year, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the weather. But is, yeah. is that the f- where you live? Was mm-hmm. that house? That's yep. your farm. Yep. Yeah. So we live there. We've lived there for, well, since like, I don't know, 2003 or something, I think. Oh, 15 so plus. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an old farmhouse right up by the road. Yeah. Um, And then our house, we lived in that house for a few years. And then Cordell built us a house up in the trees. So our driveway kind of keeps going further up into the woods. And ah, then okay. we live up in that house up there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but we did live in that original house and that's where his grandparents lived and yeah. whatnot. So yeah, in that old farmhouse. So, yeah, cute. yeah, so we live on site. Yeah, and that's, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought so. And then there was like a goat or, or like there were a couple animals, a yeah. pig. Yeah, was so that? I, you know, grew up with animals <laughs> and, I love animals Petting and zoo. like your dog. Yeah, your yeah, dog. yeah. Oscar, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but anyway, so when we decided to do the strawberries, um, I've always had horses um, and show horses. And so the our daughters, we were like, well, you know, if people are going to come out to the farm, 
people can be, you know, they're removed from agriculture anymore. You don't get hands-on stuff very much anymore, you know? Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, and so it was like, well, if they can come out to the farm, we should, in my thinking, we should have as much stuff as they could see and touch and do, you know? Like, <laughs> this is a great excuse to have a thousand animals. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we got some sheep. Um, oh, sheep. Yeah, our girls actually used their piggy bank money. Um, a few years ago when they were little and bought a few ewes, which are female sheep. Um, and so then I had, we had explained to them, okay, we'll buy the ram, the dad sheep every year okay. and we can keep the baby girl lambs, but the boys have to go. And then if they ever want to sell any sheep, you know, that's their money and they can put that in the bank or kind of thing. Yeah, very cool. So, yeah, so we did that. So we got the sheep and then, um, you know, the more things you have, just the more time and energy it takes. So a lot yeah. of times we like to borrow animals so oh. or help people rehome them. Like we'll have bunny rabbits and usually um, we're borrowing those from someone or 4-H kids that are looking to sell them or find them a new home. Okay. So they'll come and stay at our farm for a few weeks in the summer and then we have up a cute little sign, you know, if you are interested in, you know, taking a bunny home, let us okay. know. Or kittens or we had a calf, a little baby cow, a little yeah. bottle calf. Um, and then uh, at the corn maze, we also had some potbelly pigs and right. a mini, yeah, mini pony. And yeah, I saw that. Yeah, just all sorts of cool stuff that, you know, kids can see and touch. And it's just part of the, you know, and the we experience. don't like, yeah, during strawberries, you know, we charge, we tell people to come out. We charge um, by the pound mm -hmm. so you can pick as many or as little strawberries as you want. You don't have to have a heaping bucket full. And, um, you know, the playground, the animals, all that is included and free and it's kind of nice when people are checking out, you know, their kids are running around and they're kind of right there and they can play with the critters or sit on the swing set and mom can, you know, get her strawberries organized <laughs> and whatever and their kids aren't like, mom, mom, yeah, know, yeah. I want to go and yeah, yeah. just stand in line, be quiet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Huh. So where are they all coming from? Did you, were you able to converse and are they locals, obviously? And you mentioned a volleyball team. I guess that's from yeah. the high school. But <laughs> yeah. But did, did you, like, are they coming from St. Cloud or besides the tourists that come from, from out of state? But did you, were you able to capture a little bit your guests? We have, we, uh, I'd say most of the strawberry guests were local people just mm -hmm. because maybe we're a little bit new on the corn maze um, we did have some people come from North Dakota mm -hmm. um, yeah. that, that expressed that they'd traveled quite a ways mm -hmm. but uh, on the other side going into Minnesota I'm not sure okay yeah I mean we try we make a really big effort to try to um, talk to everybody you know as we can because we do get really busy but you know um, introduce ourselves yeah. and you know just make sure people feel really welcome at the farm and if they have any questions you know what we do how we do it if they want to go see the new baby strawberries and yeah. what that looks like and they're shocked that they're so tiny and small but you know in a few months they're going to look like this one over here yeah and so you know we really try to be open to that kind of thing or if people contact us you know in the middle of the summer and can we come out and you know see whatever it's like yeah sure you know yeah. we're usually always around you know working or whatever just stop on out or you know call ahead and let us know and give you a tour or whatever <laughs> it was a very so, family yeah. uh, organized i think you were driving the tractor mm. around with the, <laughs> and then you were running around i think yeah, your daughters right. were checking us in oh yeah you there's were all people over. yeah there's yeah we're usually all over the place <laughs> um you know and we hire we hire extra help you know when we are open and stuff and usually local teens um they're they're a really good source of help and um we've had also good luck with um school teachers because they're off in the summers oh, and they're sure. not looking for like a hardcore job that's scheduled you know like 20 hours a week they want the summer off 
but they still want a little bit of something to do. And yeah. so we're super flexible um, with that. So we've had really good luck with having teachers come out and help us too. You yeah. Know? And, sure. Uh, so yeah, it's been good. So when does it open? You said uh, um, planting. When, uh, when strawberries. Yeah. Strawberries is usually I usually tell people around the middle of June, middle just of so June. they start thinking about it. Um, but we normally open around the 18th or 19th. It all depends on the weather. Right. So like right now, um, you know, as the strawberries start to wake up, as they start growing, when they start producing a flower, then we can kind of make our countdown as to when they'll be yeah. ready and ripe. And then you have a Facebook page? Where do you yeah. announce the opening? Yeah, we do Facebook. Um, we're always on there. And right. then we have a website, which is otterberryfarm.com. Right. Um, and so we have stuff on there. Um, we don't, that's updated, but like our Facebook is a lot easier to go in and make like live updates, you yeah. know, especially weather related. Um, so, you know, if it's raining or something, we can tell people or if we happen to get picked out. Uh, also, our phone number, our phone number is the Barry line or whatever. So people can call <laughs> that and it's Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. you had uh, yeah. uh, always an announcement. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I so I can, yeah, I can program that with my cell phone, like out in the middle of the field on a tractor, wherever we are. And we can change that and do that up to date. So we ah. always tell people to call before you come out to the farm, especially if you're driving a distance, yeah. to make sure that we didn't have to close early because for some reason, you know, if we had this huge rush of people and we got picked out yeah, for the day out. and we had to close yeah. for a day or two to let more strawberries ripen. Is um, it that quick then? It can be, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we stagger our plants. We, we plant different varieties that ripen at different times. So some are a little bit early season, some are mid-season, and some are late season. Sure. So... Um, people don't need to come out like on June 18th and get like the first big giant strawberry because we always have big giant strawberries because we stagger our plants when we're they're growing yeah. and the varieties we have. So there's always going to be those big giant juicy strawberries. Mm. <laughs> I am so, yeah. getting my appetite for I it. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, one uh, final question that I have uh, is bees. Do you have your own beehives or do you, I mean, The flower, maybe some children don't know that anymore, but like right. there needs to be an insect <laughs> to mm -hmm. pollinate mm -hmm. and to actually create the fruit, right? Mm -hmm. And we have a bee issue, right? Don't we? I mean, I, you read about it. Bee well, I don't think we have a bee issue anymore, but we do have, uh, there's a, the Hoffman Apiary out of um, Richville. Mm -hmm. Actually, they run commercial bees on all our farms. So right at the corner of the farm, not like close enough that people can bother them. They're uh, on the 80 that we are on though. Uh -huh. And the bees, um, the bees do all our pollination. Um, strawberries are self-pollinating, so oh, bees wind. help. They're not necessary, but bees help. But we have a bunch of raspberries, and the raspberries have to be pollinated. Mm -hmm. And okay. so the raspberries are pollinated, yeah. and 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 this and the the bees will pollinate the strawberries mm -hmm. as well. But they don't have to, right? Do you know what I mean by yeah. self-pollinating? So it's the wind. It's yeah. the wind that does it then, or yeah. okay, yeah. just the so, okay. But yeah, so we do have some bee boxes, um, just kind of down the road if you went past our farm a little bit you would if you were really paying attention you'd see them kind of tucked away in this nook but okay they're where people wouldn't be able to get to them or be yeah. bothered by them or whatever so but they are not yours they're rented no well we just we just um let uh them set them there because he's he's a professional and he is a you know yeah. okay 
Okay, he's a bee guy. I would love to get into bees. I think they're absolutely fascinating. Yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah, super cool. I have, yeah. yeah, I want bees. Yeah. I, I know, right? Have a bee pro- yeah. yeah, I mean, you want all the animals. I, yeah, I, just I know, already right? Heard. Yeah. Well, my brother does maple syrup and had honeybees in Ohio, and I was like, this is so cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a really neat, I, really neat thing. But so. yeah, that's one, you know, that's just one more thing to add to it's like, oh, geez, you got stuff to do. So <laughs> let the professionals take care of it, and mm-hmm. they do an excellent job. We have uh, fall bearing raspberries. So mm-hmm. they'll start like the end of August and they'll go produce fruit until the first killing frost. So in Minnesota, that can be any time. <laughs> you oh, know, so you September. have raspberries, you just said. Oh, raspberries. raspberries, yeah. So that's a different, uh, and what is that for? Just the, the raspberries come right, actually during our corn maze. Yeah. Right before, like in the middle of August, I'd say. Yeah, middle to end of August, they'll start to ripen. So and then, so the bees, you know, help with pollinating for that because, you know, you need those for raspberries. But it's I th- I would I don't know this, but I think we're one of the only corn mazes in the planet where you can walk through a corn maze and pick a bucket of raspberries at the same time. <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't find them. I, yeah, missed, well, I didn't use you, the right you, map. You, so no. <laughs> so like I said, it depends. They'll produce until the first hard killing frost in oh. the fall, right? So one fall we had raspberries almost until it was like Halloween because we had such a beautiful fall and it didn't get cold at night. Yeah. Last year we had a hard killing frost in September. Oh. It was the end of September. And so they died right away. Oh. So we didn't even have any. I think we had them for two or three weekends Mm -hmm. um, that we had some raspberries. And we could do some methods to help with frost protection, but... um, it just wasn't in the cards last year to do yeah, that and okay. water them at night and that kind of thing. This so I'll look out for them. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So if you come to the corn maze, you know, the first couple weekends of September, you're almost guaranteed to be able to okay. get some raspberries also. Okay, good, good. <laughs> yeah. So um, I usually um, close this, or I try to not forget, uh, talk about lake life, other than you live in lakes country mm-hmm. and you just mentioned that you brought Chris here actually during the summer season. So what does lake life mean to either of you? Maybe you start because you are like me, new to Minnesota. Yeah. But what is lake life uh, to you? Yeah, well, lake life to me, I mean, it's just um, fun, relaxing, like family time. You know, you can get together with people. You can make memories. You can have fun. Um, I'm actually not a water person, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of funny. I'm not a swimmer. I mm-hmm. never was. Um, and so, but I like going on the boat and stuff. Um, I like hanging out at the beach. I like going to the lake, but I'm not the person who's like going to jump off the dock Mm -hmm, kind of thing. mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's super fun to be able to take the kids, go meet friends, you know, and just kind of hang out. And Minnesota is such a perfect place for that. Mm. Um, We have such a long, cold winter sometimes. um, And there's tons of fun activities to do in the winter around here, too. Uh, But the summer is definitely, you know, the the gem of Minnesota. And so, yeah. Hmm. No, no, that's that's kind of like me too. Um, um, what is what does a lake do to you? Is it well? I guess so. Growing up here, I I've been spoiled my whole life. I mean, comparing Perm to Bozeman, um, you know, I love the mountains, and and some days I wish I lived in the mountains. But you know, what I noticed since I've left Montana, um, and even when I was in Montana, was the people that lived in Montana. Um, weren't up in the mountains every day and so as an outsider when I got there every single day of the week I was up in the mountains because when you're not from an area you don't take it for granted and it's interesting because when we came back to Minnesota I just had this appreciation for the lakes that I never had when I had it in my backyard at all the time right Mm -hmm. and so since we've been back we've got a boat and we don't use the lakes as much as we should but 
we see how valuable of a resource they are. I mean, it's just, it's world class and people come from all over the world to vacation where we are fortunate to live every single day of our life. Mm -hmm. And so um, just to be able to have this, this tremendous resource. And I mean, we people get a lot of grief um, for living here in the winter time, but it is a magical place in the winter as well. I mean, mm -hmm. we ice fishing is, is just tremendous. Um, it's a world-class fishery. You get all the, um, you get everything that you would get anywhere else in the world, except you've got all this beautiful snow and ice to deal with. Yeah. So, <laughs> which I, is a good thing, I think. Yeah. I think it's really calming. I enjoy the winters. It yeah. just can be a long stretch. Uh, right, yeah. It can be long, but, you know, it, it, when the warm weather does come, you know, it's like, oh. 35 degrees is beach weather. Like I know, I know. The, get, let's get the shorts and then they yeah, wear exactly. flip-flops. Flip uh, and you're just, running around and it's I know, awesome. I yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty magical to have a true four seasons. And, yeah. And I think you have a much greater appreciation for each one of those seasons mm -hmm. when, you have a, when you have these distinct differences because, you know, even in a lot of areas in this country where you don't have these distinct seasons, I don't think it means as much, right? Mm. The warmth means way more to us having gone through that heavy winter. And the heavy winter... Uh, means more to us having gone through 100 degree summer, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, the temperature fluctuations. So yeah, I no, I I agree, and um, uh, I like uh, the lakes for everything, the calming and mm -hmm. uh, and the activity opportunity mm -hmm. and year round. Yeah, well, that was very um, very interesting. Uh, I'm excited for the next uh, berry season. Yeah, so uh, be here soon. <laughs> it will be here soon, and uh, I make sure that. I capture some nice uh, photo evidence of the the red yes, strawberries to yes. pick. So I think we will see each other again soon. Yeah, and that would be awesome. Well, yeah, hey, we have to say thank you so much, Dirk, for, yeah. for inviting us onto your podcast. Yeah, you, do yeah. A, you do a tremendous job, and, and thank you so much. So. Yeah, thank you, thank it's you. It's been great. Yeah, we love listening to him. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. No, thanks for coming. Great story. Um, good luck, and I love that your kids are so involved. Uh, and I hope to see them again, and we will go through this maze this fall. Yeah. We have a whole year here to share. Yeah, exactly. Thank yeah. you for coming. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, this was already our uh, newest episode of the Lake Life Weekend podcast. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tune in again next week with another great guest and updates. Always check out our website, uh, lakelifeweekend.com. And if you have some comments, please feel free to email us at hello at lakelifeweekend.com and uh, you have a wonderful weekend ahead. Awesome.